This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Ungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. RIP to State of Origin, over for another year. Mm. Now we stampede into the run to the finals. Happy yes. days. Uh, uh, how much stock and sort of how much of your life capital are you going to be putting into Ethan Strange going forward? Um, I, well, I was already going to go sight unseen. I would have said all of it. Mm-hmm. But going from entering the Schneiderverse to Doctor Strange and the, the multiverse of of gladness, I'm into it. I like it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yep. We had the under-19s men's and women's origin last night. And I think he was, fair to say, probably the breakout star of the evening. But uh, yeah, plenty of talent on show. It's it's funny. Like, I just heard, like, the commentators going off about him and he was a young, talented player. So I just assumed he played for Penrith. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out... He is in the Raiders system, so perhaps with that Jack White-in-sized hole next year, he could be the one to fill it. Uh, possibly, possibly. I think uh, Jonah Pezzett uh, of mm. Melbourne was the breakout star of this match last year, and he's kind of the guy that in my dream scenario would be coming in to, to replace Whiten. But, um, yeah, maybe Strange can maybe Strange can, can be the guy. Um, I'd still like to see Canberra go and get someone who's a little bit more experienced, just in case they don't think Strange is... Is, is is ready for for round one twenty twenty four, but yeah, it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, Peter Mulholland, the the late Peter Mulholland, mm-hmm. was a a talent scout for the Raiders for a really really long time, and I think the the fellas who are coming into first, who are coming to the towards the top grade now, like Ethan Strange and another guy who's playing last night, Chevy Stewart. They're sort of the last batch of of fellas that he signed before he passed at the end of um of twenty twenty one. So really good to see the next generation of, of Canberra legends coming through. That's a big thumbs up from this guy. Yeah. Future Rabbitohs legend, Ethan Ferguson looking good as well. So lots, lots yeah. of us to be excited about. A lot of Ethan's in the backline. Well, I, I thought Ethan would have gone out of style mm. as a name. Not since the great Ethan Lowe. Well, you know, it's, it strikes me as a very nineties type it does, name. It does. It does. And these, distressingly, all these boys last night are born in 2004. I don't want to think about this. Part. I don't like that at all. No. I'm not into it. Not at all, but yeah, he, 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 another proud South Sydney boy looked really good last night too. So pretty excited. Another about. proud South Sydney boy that they pinched from Newcastle. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that, a, that, that bastion of South Sydney. It's a pretty reliable production region. line. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about it. All right. <laughs> who was expecting you to complain about it? Um, The people who expect me to have integrity. You boast often of how much integrity you have. Mm. Yeah, but for this particular thing, I don't have much, <laughs> if any. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? We are back. It's time for another round of What About This Bloke, uh, where we go back and look at a guy, usually from the late 90s, early 2000s. That is our sweet spot, which will make you think, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, Kebo. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this Mm. week, dear friend of the show, beloved patron Frankie, 
has 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 put another one right in your sweet spot. Yeah. He's given us he's given us Jamin Lowe. You don't want to go like so. This is uh, it's kind of good though because it's it's just after the it's it's there's very little. I don't know if it's actually I don't think there's any low pole glaze overlap. So we're basically just carrying yeah, on from, from one era to the next. And like, yeah, so- I like to think of myself as the quarterback of this mm. segment, but in this one, we're on the five yard line. Yeah, and you're my running back, and I just need you to punch this in. Yeah, so it, Jamin Lowe was another one of those guys that sort of came down and this era of Souths is a little bit different because this is when they first kind of had a veneer of professionalism like it wasn't the Todd Polglaze era where like honestly the, the the guys running the club acted like it was a privilege that we had like a team on the field because we'd obviously come back from reinstatement all this stuff this was the Jamie Lowe came in in 06 just before so that that's the last preseason before Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes acquired a majority stake in the club and then sort of you know they get they, they, they get Jason Taylor and as the coach, that's when they had the Armani suits, all that stuff. It didn't bring a great deal of on-field success immediately. They made the finals in 07, but um, for most of the time, they were sort of like one of those teams, kind of like, I don't know, like a Titans or Warriors have been in the last few years, where they kind of just float around between like ninth and 12th spot. So that's yeah, what they, South they were. Weren't, they weren't disgusting, but they weren't doing much either. Yeah, they weren't disgusting. They were fine. And, and Jamin Lowe was a prop forward. He came down from the Cowboys. He had four seasons there. I think he was he was an every week player for them in like 2003, I think. And then 04 and 05, he was very much a bit part guy before he came down at Souths and and basically well, sort of struggled in his first year. I think it's fair to say. So Campo, he played 17 games in 2006. Do you know how many he won? I'm going to go zero. He won one. So <laughs> one and 16 is not the best start. Well, Hang about though. If your team only wins three games well, yeah. a year, as South did in 06, yeah. I'm not I'm not throwing I'm not putting Jamin Lowe out to dry here. I, in fact, I'm standing up for him. No, I'm that's but what's what's remarkable about Jamin Lowe is that even in 2007, when um when South actually made the finals for the first time in their life, he played in 10 games and only won three of them. And then in 2008, due to injuries and form, he only played three games and lost them all. So <laughs> so in his first three seasons at Stuts. He played twenty. Uh, he, he he played thirty games in first grade and won four of them. Ah, uh, but but the 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 arc of fate bends back towards Jamin Lowe mm. very late in his career. Oh, absolutely. But we'll get to that yeah, when yeah. we get to it. Let's but, talk about Jamin Lowe, yeah. the player. So Jamin Lowe apparently in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three is only forty years old, mm-hmm. which. I almost refuse to believe because he's one of those blokes who's, who's looked 35 from the time he was like 22. Hmm. Bit of that Tom Hazelton 40-20 vibes about hmm. him. Like hmm. an old school look for an old school player. Like all this stuff that we see in front rowers today, you know, footwork and passing at the line and leg speed and all of that. No, nah, no, nah, none of that made that to Jamin. Jamin was just straight up and down very, very tough, very willing, but not an ounce of flash about his game. But you know what he had? He didn't have any flash, but you know what he had to make up Two for that hands. flash? Two hands. And he was not afraid to use them. He was like, there were times when he was like a fucking nut. Mm. He was an aggressive, aggressive footballer. Well, 
Of, of course, I think most people here will remember his send-off in 2007. Another another where were you moment. I was at my mate Lee's house. The, the bloke you met who played for Appen, but my mate from my mate from high school. I was at the his Appen house watching. Himself. I was at his house watching this game when Souths broke that broke away, and I think they were about to score, but suddenly the game stopped and they were re-round to see Jamin Lowe beating the shit out of Brett Delaney. And of course, after the game, he 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 said he did this because uh, Brett Delaney had grabbed him. By the testicles, and uh, he was suspended for four games over the incident. But didn't he just beat the absolute shit out of him? Yeah, he fucking whooped him. He whooped him. When you when you search Jamin Lowe on YouTube, the first two things that come up are fights, and he won both of them handily. Mm. And like one of the fights he beat Ryan Hoffman. Like I love the Hoff, probably not a fighter though. Brett Delaney though, in his later years, like got a tattoo of a knuckle duster on the side of his head when he was playing for Leeds. Like he looked like. He was leading big, big Leeds, Leeds United hooligan. fan now, Brett Delaney. Yeah, he looked like he was leading their hooligan firm or whatever. Mm. So, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with Brett Delaney, but Jamin Lowe just did not give a shit. He had hands and there was power in him, and he wasn't afraid to use him. Only he a young Siwa Tukiaho could stop. Watch it. that, the Sabo dog. You'll love it. Yeah, only a young Siwa Tukiaho could stop him when they, of course, fought at the ICC last year on one of those footy boxing cards. Well, yeah, but again, Jamin Lowe, with a listed age of 40, was yes. actually closer to 55. And not looking the best so, shape in that in that bounce. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna crucify Jamin Lowe for that one. But let's fast forward to 2009 for a well, very... Well, uh, do you want to talk about Brother Ben as well? Well, I, I, I mean, you can't tell the story about Jamin Lowe without, of course, Ben Lowe, who's then... There's very. It was weird. It was kind of like the Tom Burgess thing from the other week, where like he was almost the throw-in guy. Uh, he, he made his first debut in 2008, but it turned out he was just a far superior player. Ben Lowe was capable of playing lock, played a bit of back row and center as well, but mainly a back row, and was a big part of. Um, he wasn't in the 17 when South won the comp, but he played a big chunk of games in those first three years under Michael Maguire. So 18 games, 2012, 20 games, 2013, 17 in the, in the premiership year in 2014, he was on an extended bench. So I, I consider him a premiership winner. And is it a Joe Picker, a premiership winner? Um, I another, think, another, another valued. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know you're trying to be churlish, but like I, I consider, I love Joe Picker. yeah, I, 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 I don't know why this has always been such a controversial, but I consider anyone who was in the first grade squad or played a first grade game, in a premiership year, I consider anyone who does that to be a premiership winner. That's always been my definition of a premiership winner. 17 blokes don't win a comp, a club wins a comp. And I'm not That's saying that... That's an esoteric opinion. Is it really? I think I think a lot of people will disagree. I understand what you're saying, but I think uh, a lot of people will disagree with you. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but I, I like... It's because it's, it's, but I just point them to any other sport. Like everyone gets a ring in basketball. Everyone, Jesse Williams has a Super Bowl ring despite never playing in the NFL. Like everyone who plays on the World Cup roster for Argentina got a got a World Cup winners medal. Even the third choice goalkeeper who didn't play a minute. Like would you, if you're part of a squad and your team wins something, you won that thing. In my, do opinion. you think Ben Lowe would describe himself as a Premiership winner? I think the guys themselves have to be a little bit more like they try to be a little bit more outwardly humble towards the thing. But you think Isaac Luke's Doc telling his grand going to be telling his grandkids about playing in the 2014 Rabbitohs and and showing them his grand final winners ring and all that stuff, which Matt I, I think, I think he'll tell him. them about playing for the team the year they won the comp, but I don't think he'll tell them about the grand final. I didn't he say he's too. a grand final winner. I said he's a premiership yeah. winner, which I do think are two different things. But anyway, anyway, Ben 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 Lowe was Ben Lowe nearly played for Queensland. Ben Lowe was a real good player. Man. Really good player. His emergence into the team kind of pushed out Jamin. Mm. It was kind of a kind of a War Brothers situation. <laughs> if Steve never got back in the test side, you know. Well, yeah, it's a little bit like that. But then also, 
they did play different positions. And the other part of it was like Ben Lowe was actually, sorry, Jamin Lowe, I should say, was actually released from the club at the end of 2009. But then after some injury issues, most notably to Ben Ross, they, they, caught, they, they, they launched an Alfie-esque lifeline. So Jamin, we need you. Can, can you come back to Souths? Is there and anything, he did. Is there anything more? Did the fans have a petition? Is there anything I, more? I think so. Is there anything more South Sydney than having a petition to, to save a beloved club plotter? I, that's great, isn't it? It's it's fantastic. And so, <laughs> of the league. Jamin comes back for 2020, finishes the year there with South, and then goes on, of course, as you said, to play for the Storm in 2011 and 2012. Yeah. So, the Storm, after the salary cap season in 2010, they had to do a lot of moving around. They had to cut a, a fair bit of stuff off their roster. And they needed, and for 20, 2011, they needed front rowers and they needed them real bad. And they, kick the tires on a bunch of blokes. They got Jamin Lowe in, they got Adam Woolno in, they got Tom Leroy Lars in. Um, I think they got Michael Greenfield in for, for a couple of weeks or whatever. And some of them took to it and some of them didn't, but Jamin Lowe kind of did. And he played a lot of footy in 2011 and 2012 for him. And then he ended up winning the 2012 grand final with him. This is his final game in first grade. He came off the bench. Yeah. I think he only played about 10 minutes. There's no argument about that one. Played in the grand final. Yeah, played yeah. in the grand final. So... We were laughing at him before for only winning three games a year when he started. But who's laughing now? I'll tell you who's laughing. Jamin Lowe, straight into his premiership ring. And I'm going to wrap this up with a very personal story, which I think I've told on the show before. People might not have heard it. I hope Frankie hasn't heard it because it's it's pretty good. So this was back in 2009. It was was the middle of the season. Um, So I still worked at McDonald's at this point. This was just before I started working at at Fox Sports. So... um, uh, what I would do a lot of the time is I'd, I'd have a lot of those weekend shifts and you know, our McDonald's was 24 hours. So I'd do 10 PM to 6 AM. The money was actually surprisingly good back then. Like I'd, I'd started working there before John Howard had tried to bring work choices in. So we got really good penalty rates for working after midnight. I think it was time and a half between midnight and two and between four and six and double time between 2 AM and 4 AM. So every Friday, Saturday night, your boy would be, would be making a fair chunk of cash just by doing the overnight shifts at McDonald's. And obviously there was very little work to do. On top of that. So a lot of the time I would go to the footy and then go to work afterwards. If Souths had a game on a Friday night or a Saturday, a Saturday evening or afternoon. So on this particular Friday night, it was a seven 30 kickoff at ANZ Souths played Parramatta and um, a pretty forgettable game. Jared Hayne scored a cool try. It ended with one of those awful field goal shootouts where neither team could slot one. And then um, right at the end, there was a controversial moment where Souths packed a scrum with about eight seconds left in Golden Point. And I mean, obviously, I'm watching from the sidelines. We don't know what happened. But then uh, the referee, Gavin Badger, blows time back on again. Um, and the clock runs out. The game ends. 16 all draw. Souths are blowing up about it. Um, Souths blowing up? Yeah, I know. Yeah, refereeing decisions. Yeah, well, no, it was a weird one because like they someone did rush to it. pack a scrum. And then I think someone moved. It was one of those things. So anyway, so I was like, oh, that's a weird end to a game. I mean, a draw is better than a loss, but this is still, you know, kind of shit. Uh, and went to work. An hour later, who comes through the drive-thru that I serve? None other than Jamin Lowe himself. And I said, mate, what do you think of the end of that game? He said, mate, it was fucking bullshit. <laughs> what do you order? I, I don't know. Jesus Christ. I remember oh, a lot of well, things, but... No, I was hoping that he'd ordered something like totally fucked up. No, no, always remember. no, no. I wish. I wish. What's the, but... what's the most fucked up Macca's order you've ever heard of? Um, Well, like, it doesn't seem so fucked up now, but like any... T- like. People used to like, because I guess the options were so poor, people used to order like cheeseburgers or hamburgers without meat on them. So it was just a bun with like sauce, which was well, a bit that's weird. just perverse. Yeah. But I mean, 
I, I, I think their vegetarian options have come some a, a slight way, but not not very far, mind you. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, no one ever got like incredibly out there with me. As I remember, like some people like extra pickles and stuff like that, but like no one, I never got like anything like gross or weird. It's it's very hard to do that with McDonald's. There's a very set few like items. Like the 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 two grossest ones I ever saw um, weren't gross because of the combinations of the flavors. It was just the sheer size. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So there was a bloke. Um, a mate of mine growing up, Tim Kabala, shout out. And there was a Macca's near our place that had, if you walked up there and said, can I get a Kabala burger? They all knew what it was because it kind of oh, took no. the area by storm a little bit. And it was a triple cheeseburger, but with McChicken patties. Yep. Sounds amazing. Not really, dude. It's oh, overwhelming. I, 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 I only got it once. I got a quarter of the way through and I was just like, this isn't right. This isn't how um, my parents raised me. One of the and other. The other crook yeah. one is we were coming back from a school camp once and we stopped at Goldwyn Maccas as all, as all road trips must. And one of the boys ordered a two pounder, which is a quarter pounder with eight, eight patties, patties on it. Yeah. And they had to serve it in like a happy meal box. Mm. Cause it was the only box there that was big enough. He finished it. And then he threw up four times on the way home. Yeah, actually stuff. that I'm, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that was my, that was the next thing I was going to say was when we started there, like the, some of the old, that was like sort of an initiation. You had, you had to eat a pounder. So four patties, which in itself was quite daunting, but um, someone did try to eat the double pounder once and yeah, failed miserably. Yeah, failed. Bro, see, even a, even a double quarter pounder is a fucking, I ate, I ate the, I ate the pounder, but like, I know I didn't try to do the double pounder. Cause I was like, well, yeah. you know, that's, that's right. You don't want to, you don't want to soar too high, do you? You really don't. Uh, and Jamin Lowe never did, and he was rewarded with Jamin a Lowe would, win. Jamin Lowe would definitely fight the two-pounder, and he I would. think he'd win. I agree with that. All right, Jamin Lowe, we salute you. Next week, um, another beloved patron, Josh Brandon, has been chosen oh, by the oh, random number generator. Big Roosters guy. Big so, Roosters guy. So we're probably crossing to the pivot, other side of the game. Hard pivot away from this two-week Southathon that we've I was had. Gonna, I was going to say, like, I never stack the deck with the random number generator, but... I was hoping that we wouldn't get another rabbit eye because, you know, like they can't all be home runs, can they? No. Occasionally, occasionally you've got to go for like a, a center field double. Unless he picks like Ashley Harrison or Chris Walker. Somehow I don't think he will. Or Willie Manu. I, I somehow both. I think he'll go for for some sort of, you know, totally off the wall, crazy Roosters person. I hope he'll, so. He'll stop. He'll uh, put, he'll come off the picket line for mm. a couple of, couple hey, of days. Solidarity with the boys. Yeah, because Josh is a Josh is a, a, a film director and he's striking at the minute. So hopefully he'll come off the picket line, drop us a bit of Roosters gold, and then keep fighting the good fight. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Seven games this week, Nicholas. No Raiders, no Souths, no 6 p.m. game. What are we going to do? Just We're going to end the show right there. Goodbye, yep. Bertrand. And it's goodbye <laughs> from me. Newcastle hosting <laughs> the West Tigers. Um I think that we kind of talked about the Knights going into that Bulldogs game, that if they sort of had any hope, any faint hopes of sort of getting something out of this season, they needed to win this game, and they they, they, they won it in some fashion. They did. And um, I think that continues here. I think, again, this is just another – This they've got to keep that this train rolling if they've got any hope. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when I look at these two teams, like the, the, the Knights just look so much more dangerous across yeah. the park with Ponga, with Marju, with Young – with best as well. Best is the guy I've really got my eye on. Um, mm. As it stands this morning, he's he's been named to play and all that. They've got Dylan, I think they've got Dylan Lucas still around on an extended bench. 
And I'm pretty sure he can cover center a little bit. So I don't think it's a certainty that Best is going to play. But I really hope he does because I think Wednesday night really could be the making of Bradman Best. Mm. You know, we, we talked a little bit on the Origin Review show about how sometimes guys can get pushed into Origin before their time. But then if they take to it well, it can kind of be the springboard for them to totally fulfill their potential. And I think Best is a really good candidate for that. Mm. Um, I think just... Being around, with due respect to Knights, I think being around a better caliber of player has made him a much better player. And he was already in good form for the Knights. He's already had his best season in first grade. So I'm really hoping that can continue. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do rest him, though, because he was, by the end of Origin 2, you couldn't really see on the broadcast, but you could see at the ground, he was, like his legs were getting heavy. And there were a couple of times when, the Blues put a kick in and he really had to work hard to, to get down there and chase. So his legs might be a bit heavy, but I, I really hope he plays because I, I really think we're going to start seeing some big, big stuff from, from Bradman Best over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I, you know, so we talked a little bit on Wednesday night about that, about how some guys, the inverse of the, the inverse of when it all goes wrong and how some guys can use a successful origin period as a springboard. And He's a guy that I can see is definitely capable of that. I also, however, also think that even if he doesn't play, that they are going to romp this in quite comfortably. I don't know about romp. Mm. I don't know about romp because the Tigers have, have pretty much got their best forward pack all back on the field. Coruscant is back, and that's really big for them. Um, creativity and points are going to be a problem with, with Brandon Wakeham and, and, and Will Smith in the halves. But say they, can, say they can muddy the waters a little bit, say they can, you know, like – stand up to Newcastle a little bit, say that, you know, sharp on the edges and they don't let Ponga run right the same way you did against Canterbury. Mm. I can see Wes making a contest of, of, of this one, definitely. But Knights at home looking pretty fully loaded with a whole lot more to play for as well. You, you got it. You got to lean towards the, our, our Nova Castrian brothers, don't you? Yeah. I, I, a part of me just wants them to go on this sort of charmed late season run and sort of, try and sneak their way into eighth spot obviously with that draw they're falling against doesn't matter so they're only two and a half they're two and a half wins out of eighth right now so um i don't know stranger things have happened i guess and if they are going to sort of dare to dream i suppose it has to start here doesn't it and i i, I firmly think it will i'm not going to cold train them because i think I, i've already cold trained the knights but um yeah we're we're gonna we're they, they're gonna make some sort of late season charge, it starts right now. And I think it'll start with a with a comfortable victory for Newcastle. So let's move on to Super Saturday. We do have all three games back on Saturday once again with the Bulldogs hosting the Broncos in the return to Belmore to start us off. So obviously full strength Brisbane romp this in. Right? Mm. I don't think anyone would have any objection to us. Even the staunchest Bulldog would not object us to saying that. But there's just enough blokes out in in very key positions for Brisbane for me to look at this one as something of a danger game. Like if Payne Haas or Pat Carrigan were playing, I would tip Brisbane with absolute bulletproof confidence without a doubt in the world because Canterbury have struggled up the middle of the field nearly all season. Now you get either of those blokes in there, then, you know, shit is absolutely over. But they're both out. Um, I know Carrigan's been named an extended bench, but I think he's unlikely to play. I think Brisbane are looking for more of a long view for it. Um, and while I think Kobe Hetherington is a very capable replacement, I think Brisbane are going to need some pretty solid shifts from blokes like Corey Jensen, Keenan Palacia, 
Marty Tapia, Xavier Willison. Like you're just relying a lot on blokes whose best work has kind of been in 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 smaller cameos this season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if Brisbane aren't able to get that ascendancy in the middle of the field and it turns into sort of, you know, a bit more of an even, a more even point shootout with the back lines, I think that's an area where the dogs might be able to hold their own a little bit. You know, this Brisbane backline obviously is is still really, really good. Probably still better than Canterbury's with even without without Reese Walsh there. But I don't know. I think Canterbury really found something last week with the Sexton Burton halves combination. I like uh, Jacob Kiraz, the big Wahash, going into the centers because mm-hmm. I think that can give them a little bit more strike, and that's something that they've that they've sorely needed. Avarillo at fullback, I think, is a good move that was a a fair while coming. Um, and then they will they will get a boost from the Belmore crowd. It's been sold out for a good couple of days now. So I I, I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still taking Brisbane, mm-hmm. but not with not with the not with the ironclad confidence that I would like to have. Yeah, dollar forty seems a bit short for Brisbane given the guys that aren't playing. But you mentioned the forwards there, and you're you're totally right. But at the same time, I still look at that Bulldogs pack. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, even with the guys Brisbane don't have, if they're going to be able to get on top. Like, really, I think so much of this comes down to to Vita Pangai Jr. I, I, I picked him to have a big game last week because this is what he does. He fires up in, in in these in these big games, and it doesn't really get much bigger than him for him. Sorry, than a sold out crowd against his old team. So I feel like when he comes off the bench and sort of injects himself into this game, that could be key as to how this how this one plays out. But Without yeah, I th- him, I think I think him and Max King are the mm. two key players for the Bulldogs because King started the season really well, um, but I do think he's probably not been as productive as he was last year. Um, after last year, I had him pegged as probably the most underrated player in the whole competition, but he hasn't quite maintained that rage this year. But if him and Pangai are able to establish a bit of a bit of dominance in the middle of the field, I think the the, the Bulldogs will really really like their chances of. Maybe if not even winning, just sort of running it pretty close. Yeah, and also uh, Corey Oates is still in the team list, but I believe he's now going to miss a couple of weeks with an injury, right? So that's Man, another. He just can't take a trick this year, can he? Yeah, he really can't. Poor Corey. But um, yeah, a lot of outs for Brisbane. I think this game will be. I think the, the, with the Belmore factor as well as you said, we'll keep it close. I'll take Brisbane in a close one, but I just feel like with this dogs team, it'll be more of what we had last week, where like it's a team that just was going through the motions for like a month, but once they get a sniff of a win against a team, they might actually lift and fire up a bit and led by Pangai. They could, they could do that. I'm not calling last week an upset. This week would be an upset if they won. And I think if he has another big game, they're capable of doing that, but I'll I'll take Brisbane in a close one. Moving on to Brookvale Oval, Manly hosting the Cowboys, the resurgent Cowboys. Um, An interesting game here. We've talked like we've talked for a long time now in the last few weeks about how we were wrong. Well, we were wrong about the Cowboys, how their slow start was, behind them, all that stuff. They come into this game just one spot higher on the ladder than Manly, who will leapfrog them again if they win this game. So for us, basically writing Manly's obituaries earlier with with Tom being out and all that stuff, they win this game at home against the Cowboys. who don't, that South game aside, don't really travel well to Sydney all that much. They'll be back on the cusp of finals footy again. You have been saying some big things about the Cowboys mm. the, last, the last few days. Would you like yeah. to run the fine listeners? Uh through through your take on them. I believe right now they are the fourth best team. I think that in terms of their, I think that there's tiers to winning, to winning the comp right now. I think Penrith are on the top tier by themselves. I think Brisbane and Seattle are just a little bit below that. And I think that the Cowboys and the Storm are on the next tier down below that. And then there's the crazy shit might happen tier, which 
which is populated by your beloved Canberra Raiders, and then the Bridge Too Far tier, which is the Warriors, Sharks, and Eels. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that the way they're playing, the guys they're getting back, Drinkwater is close to the best player in the competition right now, could win the Dallium if, if, if things shake out the way that they could. And the, the, their big Achilles heel in, in years past has been their inability to win a lot of games in Sydney. They put that behind them to some extent with that Souths game a couple of weeks ago, and they can do that to an even greater extent here if they beat Manly. And But just because of, regardless of how well I think they're playing right now, and they have they have won four of their last four games, um, regardless of how I think, well I think they're playing right now, that slow start can't be ignored. And so it basically means that they're sort of walking this tightrope for the last seven weeks of the season in terms of, like, if they if they even make it into the eight, much less get a home final. And I think a top four spot is probably beyond them with just the way the, way the competition is looking at the moment. But... If they if they lose this game, they're suddenly sort of worrying about whether they're going to be a part of September again, much less shaking things up and actually and potentially making a prelim or a grand final. But um, I don't think they have to worry about that too much. I think that they should have probably too much for Manly here. I think that uh, with the, with the guys they've got, Tamalolo's there, Drinkwater's playing. Like it, it, it's just tough to see the Tom Tavoyevich team, uh, Tom Tavoyevich and Manly being able to get into a shootout with these guys and, and be able to match them. And they've got Val Holmes backing up. Murray Talangi's backing up as far as we know, like they're named. We don't, I mean, we don't know. It's, it's, it's Friday morning right now, but Ruben Cotter's named. They're all named. So Nanai's named as well. They're all, they're all apparently playing. Reese Robson as well. So if they're all playing, I, I just don't see how manly are going to be able to go with them. Origin can cripple a team's season. Um, and we've kind of seen that with, with a couple of different sides over the years, but sometimes it can make a team's season as well. And I actually think Origin has been really, really good for the Cowboys. Because it's just it's it they've had so many players get in there and it's kind of just supercharged a lot of them. It's it's like they got in there and they were able to shake off the dust and just sort of rediscover why they were all so good last year and why they were all playing Origin in the first place. You yeah. know, um, and then when you look, they've finally got everybody back. And if you look at the the best the best seventeen that they can name, it's up there with with some of the best sides. In, in the entire competition, you know? And the worry for me in this one would be the Cowboys resting some of their blokes after Origin. But even if they rested, say, Ruben Cotter, they've got Tal Malolo on the bench. They've got Griffin Neem on the bench. They've got uh, Finney fin, Fuiaki on the bench. Like, there's a lot, a lot of depth there as well. You know what I mean? So even if they don't get all their guys out there, I'm stealing, still feeling confident enough that I'm going to... Here's Taylor rolling the ball in, Dom, and he's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train cup. Cold train these boys. Oh, I need, yeah. I need, I need away teams. I got lazy and had too many home teams in a mm. row, so I need some away picks. And cows at Brookie is a even if some of the blokes don't make it. I, I don't like, for example, I don't think Jeremiah Nene will end up playing. I think Ruben Cotter will end up coming off the bench, but I also think that might not matter because of all the depth they've got with everybody who's back and, and, and fully fit now. You know, you mentioned Drinkwater. He's got it on a string at the minute. Mm. Uh, I think Tom Dearden is playing nearly as well. I think he's he's in the form of his of his young career thus far. Um, and I just sort of see him having a bit too much for Manly, especially um, in the middle of the field. You know, Manly, always a tough prospect at at, at Brookie, certainly. Jake Trebojevic back is, is a good one for them. Tanyela Pasek has been playing some really good footy as well, but I don't know. I just don't know if they'll have, I don't know if they'll be able to go with the Cowboys for as long as they'll need to, you know, because this is a Cowboys team that can be pretty dazzling 
in attack. And I just don't know if Manly's going to quite have the juice to go with him when it counts. Yeah, that's that's my kind of sentiments as well. I just, yeah, I, I just feel like this. It's it's a lot of these games are going to be bridged too far for Manly for the rest of the season. Um, and and this is one of them. I just don't think their backline has anywhere near the firepower that, that the Cowboys does. And I, I just don't think their forward pack is going to be able to match it with, with North Queensland. I think the travel factor is obviously an issue. The guys backing up from Origin, obviously also an issue. But I just can't see it, mate. I think this will be a relatively, not not like easy win for the Cowboys, but a relatively comfortable win for the Cowboys. Oh, there you go. Mm. The uh, the predictor has spoken. He guaranteed right. a Cody Walker man of the match. And now he's guaranteeing a Cowboys <laughs> win. The, the Matty B guarantee. Fuck yeah. I mean, I, that was that was so funny when we, we went to the pub after that game on Wednesday because I knew I'd said I knew I'd said Blues by 14. And then we played it back on my phone and we're like, holy shit, I actually said 24 to 10. <laughs> so I'll never be that right about anything ever again, mate. Um, so the Roosters hosting the Storm back at the friendly confines of the Sydney Cricket Ground. I know all the Roosters fans will be delighted to be back at the ground that gave them so many wins over those couple of seasons. It's, it's quite Throwback. funny, right? It is funny, right? Because obviously it is an objectively terrible ground to watch rugby league, but you do talk about the magic of the past and that does exist. But also the other part is like, the Roosters like never lost here because they were so fucking good in the years that they played at the SCG. So like a part of their fan base must be kind of like, yeah, we're back in the, we're back in the, the, at the <laughs> back win, where we belong at the winning oval on a so, turning, on a turning, <laughs> turning SCG, SCG deck. Dean Rob's going to be at the, at the Paddington end, just hooting and hollering. It's going to be great. Rolling but um, that arm over. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, they are hosting the Melbourne Storm who are pretty much getting everyone back. Uh, Coates named, Munster named, Harry Grant named, all named to start, all your favourites, all the time. Um, but no James Tedesco. Yes, he. so he is going to be rested from this game and Joe Manu is going to start at um, at fullback. I actually mm. think that's a good, that's a good, that's probably a good move for them because I think Teddy is getting to the age where he's going to have to look after himself a little a little bit more. And if you need a replacement, Manu's about as capable mm. as it can as it can possibly be. Um you're right about Melbourne sort of getting all their all their guys back. I'm still not in love with with how they're putting the pieces on the board though. Um I've mentioned before that I don't like the sofa Solomon. I don't like it. On the edge. I, I don't want that. I think they need him in the middle of the field. They'll probably be able to get away with it in this one. Um, but if you like, you look at that starting forward pack, it's all pretty good. It's all pretty solid. Then you look at the bench and it's Wishart, Eisenhuth, Sims and Garlic. Mm. And I just think against, against the premiership contenders, against some of those teams that you named before on the very high tiers, mm. just don't know if that's going to be enough. Um, that is why they are in that third tier. In my but opinion. that is, that is a concern for another time because I, I think they'll have enough for the roosters on this one. I cannot keep sitting around waiting for the roosters to turn stuff on. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Cold train cup. But I'm going to stand up and watch as the season officially comes to an end because I'm locking up the Melbourne Storm in this one. The Tedesco resting was enough to sway me. Just that last bit more as well as the fact that as far as we know, all those Storm boys are playing. So I'll be locking up the Melbourne Storm. And I'll tell you what, Nick, we talked about how You've the Campton curse is no more. You've you've backed two superb performances in back to back Origin games. The Matt Bungard Coltrane curse is also dead. I was five. And, I was mate. I was five and eight six weeks ago. Now I'm an eleven and eight. Six game winning streak. Eleven and eight is still pretty bad. Yeah, but I was five and eight. 
So I won six in a row. Was the takeaway you were supposed to? You were supposed to. That was supposed to be the takeaway there. Not how she, I'm not the Cowboys, mate. Forget about how bad the season started. We're storming to the finish line. I'm only two wins behind Vanguard's mentor right now, and I'm coming for him. I'm coming for him. All expenses paid. <laughs> so yeah, uh, give me the storm in this one. It's a tough week. Um, I've only got three teams left to pick that I haven't picked yet. Uh, one of which is the Dragons, who are playing the Tigers next week. That might be one you look at. Manly didn't want to tip them this week. And I think the Titans was the other one I hadn't picked yet. Don't want to really pick them at Parramatta. So had a look. Pretty balanced on home and away tips as well. And I just thought, you know, th- this seems like a this seems like a good team to to tip again. This seems like a good this seems like a good spot to get the storm. It's an away tip, and they're 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 bringing all the Origin boys in, whereas Bruce is a resting head Origin boy. So I don't know. Uh, Cole training, training against the Roosters. Double your pleasure, right? Isn't that isn't isn't it isn't that something? Isn't that something? But uh yeah, so that'll be that I'm obviously tipping the storm in this one. Who are you tipping? I'm I'm gonna go the storm as well. Like that Roosters team on paper is still pretty good, but we are in July now. It has been four months of me saying this Roosters team on paper looks pretty good. We have been I, saying I that every week. I can't keep doing it, man. I can't. Mm. Can't keep believing. It's just it, it's just so contrary to what Brandon, we've seen Brandon for months Smith, and months and months. Brandon now. Smith back on the bench though. Yes, Brandon Smith back on the bench. That's very good for them. Um, Especially Joseph against his Sualee old team. Back on so. the wing. On the wing. That's really good for him too. I feel like Sualee, he hasn't played in years. It does feel like that. Feels it? like it's been a really really long time. He actually played for the Wallabies on the weekend. <laughs> so they are getting some blokes back. I, mm. I think the the key for them would be sort of surging ahead of Melbourne when Melbourne's bench comes on. And I think if you look at that. Roosters bench with White, Wong, Butcher, and Brandon Smith. There is a chance that they could do that, um, mm. which is actually what kind of scared me off Cole training the yeah. storm. Because, um, again, we don't know which of their blokes is going to back up as well. So I can see the Roosters doing well in this one, but I've been able to see them doing well in just about every game they've played this mm. year, and it's happened so, so rarely. So yeah. what do you want me to do? I can't believe forever. You can't, and we're not expecting you to. All right, let's move on to Sunday, 2 p.m. Probably the game of the round, in my opinion. Big game, this one. Big Warriors game. hosting the Cronulla Sharks. The bookies can't split them. They're both in that sort of zone just under $2. So, yeah, uh, they think it's a coin flip. I'm not so sure it's a coin flip because the Warriors are a good team and we know how the Sharks have fared against good teams this year. But this was, of course, a team that earlier this year, the Sharks had that gargantuan lead against uh, and threw it away on that rainy Sunday afternoon um, at Shark Park. So, that will probably be in their minds to some extent. I mean, it was 32-30 then. Was it was it 30 to 6 or 30 to 12 in um in Cronulla's favor at one point? It was a, it was a lot, it was a lot to not much. I a lot to not that. much. But uh Sean Johnson and the boys stormed home in that one. I think that will probably be in the Sharks' minds. There's if they if they do get on the front foot in this one, I doubt that they'll be taking their foot off the gas as they did back in April when that game took place. But um a really important game for both of these teams. For the Warriors, it's sort of like you know, you had last week against Parramatta. They're a good team, but they were missing all their stars. So, And you did your job. You saw them off. You, you, you breezed past them. No hate there. But two weeks ago, you played a good team at home with a sold-out crowd. There was a lot of expectations, and you kind of laid an egg. And now, a fortnight later, you get an opportunity against another top four team at home. I assume it's sold out. I haven't checked. Well, I'll tell you what. Like, if it's yeah. not, let's buy all the tickets. Let's, let's make that. it sold out. Yeah, absolutely. Um and another chance to really make make a statement here. And I think if they win this, they will be catapulted into the top four. So yeah. huge stakes. Huge stakes for both teams here. 
Yeah, and not not just because of ladder position or whatever, but I do think for both of these teams to, if they're planning to do something in the finals, mm. they need to start getting some some runs on the board against good sides. You know, like the the best Warriors win this year is probably that Sharks one, followed by when they beat the Raiders in in Croker's 300th game, right? So that's two good wins over 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 top eight sides, but also over one of them was over a team that we know has trouble playing against top sides. And the other one is against a team that's totally fucking insane. Yeah. So if they want to really start building into the sort of team that can go head to head with a Penrith or a South Sydney or a Brisbane, it kind of has to start by handling your business against the Sharks. And I think they've got, the capabilities of doing that because I think their strengths in Fanul Blake and Harris and Mitch Barnett, who's weirdly had a really good season when he's yeah. played, those three middles, I would say Fanul Blake and Harris are easily the two best middles on the field. And I think you can make a case that Barnett's third, as crazy as that sounds. And you can make a case that Dylan Walker's probably fourth, which again sounds crazy, but when you look at the two teams, that seems pretty apparent. So if they can, if they can get if they can get going through the middle of the field, which I think they've got the roster to do. I think it could be hard for the Sharks to sort of get their really nice backline stuff going on. Hmm. But at the same time, the Sharks have so much to play for here, not, so not just with the ladder, but psychologically as well. I know a lot of their fans are really, really sick of us and everybody else talking about how they can't beat half-decent sides or they can't beat good sides. Well, but a lot of them are just as frustrated as we are. I know, but, but here's your chance. Here's yeah. your chance. They've got the really tough run coming up after this, right? And it can be tough going into a game. I think they've got Penrith next week. It's tough to go in against Penrith when you've just been having cream puff games for three or four weeks, right? This is as ideal uh, uh, This is ideal a sort of lead into those sorts of games as you could ask for, you know? And it's kind this of like... A, this is like, they, they should approach this as like a number one contender fight. Mm. They're fighting for the title next but they got to get through this and first. It, and the other part is, like, if you get this win here, it kind of keeps the Wolves at the door for those Souths and Penrith games as well. Like, it gives you, it, there's a little bit less pressure on you because we talked yep. about how if going into these three this three-game stretch, you want them to, oh, well, they've got Manly as well. We forgot about that Manly game, which we're kind of treating as up. But we shouldn't because traditionally they haven't won a lot of games against Manly. But um, sort of, we talked about this Warriors game as sort of kind of being like a springboard for them for those two games. If they get a win here, it just takes the pressure off them a little bit for those two games at Penrith and in Perth against the Bunnies, which come back to back. That's a brutal couple of weeks, which is a good thing for them. But the other thing for them, interestingly, is we've talked all year about their middles not being up to the task, and that's been their big weak point. And against a team like the Warriors, I mean, good for them that Bunty Afoa is not playing because that's that's one less gun middle to worry about. But as you said, Mitch Barnett just slots straight into that starting position, where, and he's been very, very impressive himself. But this is the first time Toby Rudolph and Braden Hamming and Newelli, assuming he gets off that extended bench and actually plays in this game. If Braden Hamilton-Yolay plays in this game, it will be the first time that he and Rudolph have played together since that Sharks-Warriors game back in round five. Mm. Well, they did well, look... Rudolph, Rudolph, certainly a big inclusion. I think he's yeah. their best He's their best yardage man in the middle of the field by a good, good way. But I'm not so much worried about their yardage. I'm more worried about how they can do how they can lock them up defensively. Mm. Um, and that's just not limited to the middle. I, if I was a Sharks fan, I'd be really, really worried about Sean Johnson attacking the gaps around... Matt Moylan and Sissipa Talakai. Uh, the Moylan Talakai Gorge, as it's known. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that has been a place where a lot of teams have had success this year. Mm. Um, and the right side is where Sean Johnson likes to play most of his footy. Mm. He links, he's got Josh Curran out there, who's a really capable hole runner. 
Um, and I, it, the part of the reason that Dallin Matani Zalesniak's been scoring so many tries is because that right mm. side just absolutely sings when 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 SJ's on, you know. So if I was a Sharks fan, that would be something I would be worried about. But I would I would hope that if they can give a good account of themselves in the middle, that the Sharks can sort of run so many of those dynamic, pretty playing patterns that they do have at their disposal. Because while the Warriors have got so much out of their two to five this season, like there, there are, there are, there are reasons that a lot of those blokes weren't regular starters before this year. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like Rocco Berry can still get found out a little bit, you know, so can Adam Pompey. I think they would look at something like the Bailey Simonson try for Parramatta last week. And they'll think, well, fuck these blokes can make a blue on the edge. If we can just get a little bit of ruck speed going and get all our weapons pointed where they're supposed to be, we might be able to fire them off and find a bit of joy. So yeah. I think, yeah, th- this one extremely evenly poised. Um, but I sort of have a philosophy where in big games, if you're not sure which way it's going to go. I always defer to the team with the stronger pack. Mm-hmm. So you add that in with the with the home ground advantage. I'm taking the Warriors, but I'm expecting another really, really tight one. Yeah, I'll take the Sharks to the close one. Just win a big game, boys. Come on, just win a big game. <laughs> just once. It's really once easy. for your you old just... pal, Matty B. Exactly. I'm not going to give it the Matty B guarantee, but I will, I will tip them. Um, and then we've got the Dolphins hosting the Penrith Panthers. Nathan Cleary on an extended bench. Um, if he plays, that's gigantic, obviously. But um, regardless, they are firm, firm, firm favourites to, to get it done at KO Stadium. As firm as a favourite can be, I would say. Yep. Uh, what are you hoping to get out of the Dolphins here in terms of, I mean, not not necessarily even a result, but just in terms of a, of a play style? I guess their best hope for victory is kind of what they did against the Titans. Just hang around, hang around, hang around. Mm. And then hope you're able to Which steal Penrith late with a couple do of Do sometimes plays. let teams hang around? They, they they can, they can. But I also think, you know, Penrith will probably rest a few of their Origin blokes. I'd be surprised if Tottenham Crichton play. I would think Isaiah Yo will He'll probably back up. He didn't. He didn't play much on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I I don't know, but they have they have sort of erred on the side of resting. And then you can afford dudes. you can afford to do that when you a have the depth that they have and b are in the position that they are. Yeah, yeah, but like. Still, they're definitely going to have Leota. They're definitely going to have Fisher-Harris. They're definitely going to have Edwards. They're definitely going to have Taruva. So I just think from a yardage standpoint, I don't know if the Finns are going to be able to go with them. I don't know if they're going to be able to sort of slow things down a little bit the way they did against the Titans. I think the Panthers are probably too fundamentally sound mm-hmm. to sort of get trapped down in the depths with the Finns. You know? So even if, even if the Origin blokes don't play, even if Nathan Cleary doesn't play, I still think they'll just be too... Too well constructed, yeah, for well, the fins to for the fins to sort of shimmy through the crevices so and cracks. There's no bigger Jerome Luai fan than you, Nick Kemp. So that is not true. What are you What are you expecting or hoping to see out of your favorite player in this my game? After player, after my, all my, the discourse, my dear beloved Jerome Luai. After all the discourse around the five eight position, and you know he was. He was trending on Twitter on Wednesday night as a result of Cody Walker's game. So he didn't even do anything and people were still <laughs> criticizing him. Um, he notices that shit. I mean, players pretend they don't. He's, he sees all this stuff. He sees all the hate and it fuels him. He's one of those guys that looks for get, looks for chips on his shoulders, as most of those Penrith boys do. What are you expecting out of him? We're expecting a huge one from him after that. I think his game against the Storm a couple of weeks ago was his best game in a good, good while. Thought he played really well and and really just sort of 
thrived in 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 that Penrith system where where he he is so sure of his role and so sure of what he has to do. I do think the five eight discourse around the Blues has been quite funny. There was a whole, after Walker won men in the match, there was a whole lot of, well, you know, I was always a Cody Walker guy. Why didn't they pick in game one? Mm. From a lot of people mm. who were, no, from a lot of people who were in tears that they didn't pick Nico Hines. Yeah. You know it's what I mean? very funny. Like, so a lot, of, a lot of goalposts moving on that one. I think Penrith are at the point now where they'll look for any motivation they can get. You mentioned how they get fueled off people's hate. Mm. And I think... Through Luai, they might have found the the fire that they need to sort of gear up for another premiership run because that's the tough thing when a team's been on top for so long. It's just hard to fire yourself up yeah. like you would have when you're yeah, on the yeah, cover, yeah, yeah. you know? But they're a very close-knit team. It wouldn't, like, they'll rally around Luai. It wouldn't surprise me if this is sort of like the rocket fuel that gets them into mm. that destroyer of worlds mold again. Um, for Luai himself, all I'm expecting is is what he always does for Penrith, you know? Runs that left edge, which has been really good since they all kind of settled in with Tungo coming back and Sorensen settling in as the back rower, you know? And I, I think I think from a from a footballing standpoint, they'll all be fine. From a mental standpoint, I'm terrified about what they're gonna do to the rest of us. Yeah, that's that's true. Um but I'm happy for them to take it out on the Dolphins, first and foremost. <laughs> get, get your frustrations out, boys. Hang a 50-burger on them. Who cares? I don't. It's not happening to my team. Uh, yeah, yeah I, Pan- I think Panthers. Pan- I, I would have called trading the Panthers, but I've already used up my tips on them. Have you really? I, there I, you think, I, think, I think I'll walk this in. Yeah, I, I, I also thought about doing that. But yeah, I, who knows? They might pull a last-minute thing and, and pull out a couple more guys. So. For the Finns, I, I, don't, I still don't get Tabuai Fideo in the centers. No. Like... But, just play him at fullback. Like this yeah. is like you're not Queensland, son. Like you're Redcliffe. Chuck him at the back. Well, maybe they saw him on Wednesday and were like, "Yep, that's why we're going to keep doing this." But uh, fantastic. Good on you, Wayne. He's done it again. Uh, and the last game of the round, love a Super Sunday with three games. The Eels hosting the Titans. This is it Big Big for game. the Titans. This is it. Your season is over if you lose this, this get game. Out stakes. I think that's probably fair to say. They'll be seven and ten with a minus one hundred. Differential. Sorry, they'll be eight and eight and ten if they with a minus hundred differential if they lose this one. So I think it's 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 oh no, I was right, seven and ten. Fucking buy stupid fucking ladder. Yeah, seven and ten with a negative four against if they lose this one. So huge stakes for them. And Parramatta, of course, on the inverse will be ten and eight and firmly back in the picture if they can get a win here. You know what we haven't seen in a while? Hmm? Some Titans lunacy. That's true. They've been surprisingly seen normal. We haven't seen it. Recently. Past- oh, Part no past three weeks. That's the loss to the to the Dolphins, the loss to the Raiders, and the win over. Brisbane. I mean that ga- the the game did end with a golden point penalty. That's pretty. That's pretty insane. No, no, that was that. that mate, compared to what they've done in the past, that was standard fair. I understand, but it's like still you, you don't get many. Their, go- pre- you don't their get- previous game, their previous game against the Dolphins, they gave up the equal biggest lead in, in the history. Yeah, yeah, history. okay, I understand. A golden that. point penalty is fucking passe for them. There's, there's, there's. It's a, it's a rare thing. They don't happen often. After, oh, yeah, come. On. This is this is the Titans. That that is nowhere near perverted enough for them. That's fair. Okay, that's so, fair. So, what do you what what perverted act are you hoping for? Here? Well, like I, I I couldn't presume to to know. I can't get in the mind of a maniac. Like that's true, but it's just been a it's just been a while since they did anything mm-hmm. yeah. totally off the wall batshit insane. So maybe Big Jim Lenahan has has sort of straightened out them boys. And he's a good football man. Good football man made him just a bit more straight laced, or or maybe like. The insanity's just been building up and will now burst asunder like like champagne when you shake it up and pop the cork off. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
So, so I, I I don't know. I, I I'm kind of approaching this one as anything can happen. Well, because... was this the was this this was this was where that batshit insane Titans Eels game was last year, right? With the Phil Sammy doing the Gutherino, and it was like yes. 30, 30 all after ten minutes. This yeah. Was... Yeah. So <laughs> yes, maybe another one like that would be nice for the neutrals. Yeah, and I I think because this is so this is on Sunday last game of the round. I think just about everyone's going to back up from Origin. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Gutho will at least. Well, Fafita is under a cloud now. Is he not come back on because of an injury issue on on Wednesday? I think I think it's a I think it's a crook back. Okay. Or something like that. I think. In our so I haven't heard anything but... about whether he's going to play or not though. Well, I'll tell you. If I was Big Jim Lenahan, I'd say to. I'd say to Dave, we Dave, need you, Dave. Mate, we need you. We need and you this time, son. And Dave's known for like putting the team first and picking up the slack and doing all the hard yards. So I'm sure he will. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would hope that both teams go into this fully loaded um, because if they do, I think we could get a really, really good game mm. of attacking footy because um, both these teams can score points with the best of them. Stopping them is another matter. So I think whoever wins will be the team that sort of gets their defense more in. I thought you were about to say whoever wins will be the team that scores the most points. And I was like, yep, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> but um... <laughs> that's the cutting insight that you guys tune in for <laughs> each and every week. Exactly. No, I, I, I do think it's, and it's not even so much a matter of which team can, can sort of hold their line. I think it'll come down to like individual efforts and individual scrambles and, and who can, who can like make the key one-on-one tackle when the other side looks like they're going to score. You know, Parramatta's done so well over the last month to sort of get their season back um, back together. Um, and I would hope that the game last week hasn't sort of dented their confidence too much, especially in the middle of the field. Because I think if the Titans are rolling heavy with Fodawaker and Tino, I, I, I don't know if, I, like, I would hope that Parra's able to match that because they've got the blokes to do it. But mm. um, yeah, I'm expecting a high scoring one in this one. I want lots of points on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think we'll get them. I think there's been, there's no there's no real sort of reason to expect that not to happen. Um, both these teams love scoring points. They don't like defending, and um, there's a lot at stake. So I think we'll see a lot of a lot of rolling of the dice, a lot of chancing of the arm, and <laughs> I think I think I'll go para here in a in a in a in a. I'm I'm not a gambling man very much, but if you are, I, I'd assume you're taking the overs here. But um, I'll say Parramatta in a relatively close one. I'll say like. I'll try to do a Mystic Matt again. I'll, I'll say Parramatta are going to win 38 to 28. Matty B, guarantee. Mm. I want to just I, – the Titans bench probably won't run out like this because they've got so many guys under a yeah. flat after origin. But their 14 to 17 is Jaden Campbell, a fullback, Chris Randall, a hooker, Aaron Clark, a hooker lock, and Jojo Fafita, a winger. It's a strange bench. Bro, we haven't seen a Sheenius bench all year, despite the fact Tim Sheens is actually back in the league. Mm. It's just nice to see. It's just good to see. It's good to see that – Big Jim Lenahan is keeping the spirit alive. Yeah. I forgot Tom McKayley was there. Good on him. Number 24. I forgot Cam Marmolo was there. Yeah, that's that's one. Yeah. I've yeah, Tom McKayley, one game this year, 12 minutes against the Dolphins. What a 12, what minutes, a 12 it minutes it was. Yeah, it was weird. He was pretty highly rated at the Tigers a couple of years ago, right? Mate, he was one of the best schoolboy players in the country. How's this? Yeah. So there was a at Kebra Park that renowned rugby league nursery. They said he was better than Benji. Hey? They said he was better than Benji. Bro, he was on a team. He was starting in the front row with Payne Haas. Yeah. Dave Fafita was in the second row. Yeah. Connolly Lemuelu was playing fullback. It's a pretty good team. And um, a little fellow named Mo Fodawake was coming off the bench. That's not bad. Did they win? You won't believe this. They did. Okay. All right. (laughs) Good for them. Are you tipping Parramatta? 
Um, what are you doing? I'm you said para, right? You gave 38, it Maddie, uh, 38 28, mate. Yeah, and you gave it the Matty B guarantee. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm going to buck back against the Matty B guarantee because the only thing more powerful than the Matty B guarantee is Nikki Zags. That's right. So we just got, I got to, and I think it's boring when we pick all the same teams anyway. I agree. So we got it. We got it. We got to mix it up a little bit here. So I'll take the tunes. Why not? All right. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. All right, it is news time. We briefly mentioned this, but uh, Corey Oates damages meniscus in training and will be out uh, for like four, four or so weeks. They said their intention is to even return in the final rounds of the regular season. So you guess four to five weeks on the shelf. For Corey, no 200th game just yet for him. Yeah, just can't stay fit at the minute. Just can't seem to stay on the field. Just a lot of little niggling things, um, which is a shame because he's always been a favorite of mine, Corey Oates. Mm. But yeah, I think Jess, Jesse Arthurs has done a pretty good job for Brisbane when yeah. he's played this yeah, year. Yeah. Pretty, like quite a capable backup. So yeah, Brisbane will be okay. Um, uh, interesting story here. Uh, um, I mean, there's not much we can say about it, but just found it funny that someone tried to blackmail an NRL star with a nude selfie and the, the the player to their credit wrote a very coherent text message just warning people about it and um hopefully it's taken care of that's pretty how much up. yeah me too I hope it gets taken care of too but how much heavy lifting do you think NRL star is doing in that headline a lot I do <laughs> hey no no my favorite part about this was it says representative player Ooh, okay so would he that might mean have a Cook for, Islands international? I don't know. For, he might have played, he might for, played for Greece. He could be a reggae warrior. <laughs> who, who knows? But um, yes, whenever there's words like that, it's just like you have to think. Like, yeah, how how long are they stretching this bow here? Like, what's going on? Um, Hopefully it's not a country origin player. Uh, no, surely you gotta, not. You've got to uphold the standards of the jersey. None, none, of, none of the men in the, in, the, in the maroon and gold would ever send lewd photographs it's not that's because we don't trust mobile phones that's right that's exactly right they'll, <laughs> they'll send a nude polaroid or something else or mail a disposable camera send to a, someone send with a some raunchy letter phones. to your sweetie from the coal mines <laughs> yeah that could work but um <laughs> but yeah um you got any other news well yeah i want to i want to bring up josh reynolds retiring because all oh, right yes so that news broke just after we finished recording on Monday and I texted Bungard saying, Oh wow. News always breaks after we record. It's crazy. And he goes, and he goes, what happened? And I said, Josh Reynolds retired. Left and him what on did red. You say? Didn't, re- didn't reply. Yeah. You were, you were, dis- I heard you were disgusted. <laughs> I was, I literally was on the couch, saw the message went, Oh, and just threw my phone down. I was like, I'm not replying to this. <laughs> I thought someone had died. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he retired right, mate, five years say, ago, they mate. Say, they say athletes die twice. So. Yes, but you'll never stop speaking his name, so he'll never have that second death. So that's right. That's right. But, but um, well, I, yeah. I, well, you go ahead because I got a bit to say. Yeah, you, you, you. Yeah, I just want like it's 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 just a weird one because like yes, he retired, but like kind of feels like he retired when they cheered him off Belmore after that field goal in 2017. Like, has he done anything on the field since then? Really. Yeah, he's played for West and he came I said, has he Canary done anything and... on the field? I didn't say, has he played a game? Has he has a single memorable moment in that time period? I think so, yeah. Name like one. There was, the, there was the, the, the golden point when they had over the cows where he was came off the bench, played really well, set up a try, mm. played in that game against Saints not, where... Not really. Braden You're just naming games he played and... in. You're not, there's not moments. 
Oh, well, fucking who are you? The moments, police? I mean, I asked you to name a memorable moment from Josh Reynolds. You know, like, I just oh, he said play- him and Burton he said he played okay him, against him Burton, the Dragons. Him and Burton celebrating after Burton kicked the field goal. Okay, so after Reynolds someone jumps else- on his back, he's screaming in his ear. It's great. Okay, so he 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 congratulated someone else for doing something. That was his big moment. What's you know it? what? It, if you if you think being a good teammate and being a good friend isn't a big moment, uh, okay. I'm I don't sorry. Care I tried to call. I tried to call Ben Low a premiership winner, and you pushed back on it. So don't you now preach the the positivity of being a good teammate because I tried to say that good teammate Ben Lowe was a title winner and you said, no, he's not. So you know Ben Lowe was a good teammate. You're just, oh, you're just presuming that. I am. Maybe that, the reason he didn't play in the grand finals because he's not bad a good teammate. teammate. Well, perhaps. But in any it. case, I've had my snarky couple of minutes. Go ahead, Nick. Oh yeah. So the, the big reason that Reynolds is, is important to me um, and you guys would have heard me talk about this at length many times over the years is because he played in that 2014 origin series. Um, and I wrote a little bit, uh, I wrote a little thing earlier this week sort of talking about how the Blues have a real trouble with commemorating players like Josh Reynolds, you know, guys who before he played for the Blues, he, he, he you know, before he played for the Blues, he was a good player. After he played for the Blues, he probably wasn't as, ever as good again. He got in because of the hot hand and because they didn't really have many other options. But when he put the jersey on, he turned into a different into a different thing. He went to a higher place with his with his performance. And part of the reason the blues were able to win that series in 14 is because Reynolds was just playing with a, an intensity and a fervor that was remarkable, even for him, a player known for his intensity and fervor. Mm. And if there was a player in Queensland like that, who played a key role in breaking an eight year origin losing streak and hustled the shit out of the best player on the field on the other side, so much so that that player came back and like tried to fight him and headbutt him and all that sort of shit, like Reynolds did with Thurston in game two, 2014. I am not exaggerating when I say Queenslanders would carve that fuck that fella's face on a fucking mountain. Mm. They really, really would. Look at how they talk about Adam Mogg. Look how they talk about Fatty's team in 95. Look at how they talk about the worst Queensland team ever, right? And those are just individual series. Imagine if they hadn't won for nearly a decade and then a fella like Josh Reynolds came along and made that happen for him, you know? But as soon as it happened for Reynolds, as soon as he sort of did that for his state, it was like he got forgotten. He never played Origin again after that year. And everything that's happened to him since then has kind of just been him slowing down and, 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 and you know, struggling to sort of struggling to find that right channel for his intensity because that was always his his great, great gift. I was all I always had a, I always had a soft spot for Reynolds because he was someone who didn't have a whole lot of skill, didn't have a whole lot of athletic ability, but through competitiveness and will, he turned himself into a far, far better footballer than he ever, ever had a right to. And that's a thing that I think rugby league should celebrate. And I think it's a thing that New South Wales should celebrate. And it's something that we don't do. So I've always had a big soft spot for him and, and him retiring any, any one of those 2014 guys leaving the game is always going to be a really, really big deal to me at least. Um, And this is leaving aside all the, all the, you know, the great story of him coming back to Canterbury this year and, and, you know, looking like a guy who has traveled far and seen a lot and has ended up right back where he's supposed to be. I think there's a lot of it that's quite touching and a lot of it that really shows what, what growing up in rugby league can be, you know, Reynolds is a very different player and a very different man to what he was when he ended this game. Mm. And I think a lot of the best parts of himself have come through being a footballer. I think he's a real, he's a real example of the the long journey that rugby league can take you on and the person it can turn you into. Um, and that one of the best examples of that, He's going to be finishing up playing reserve grade, which I don't think is going to worry him in the slightest. He never struck me as a very, he's never struck me as someone who was ever crippled by his own pride or anything like that. And I think all this season, he's just been so, so grateful to be back at Canterbury 
I don't think it would have worried him if he didn't get back into first grade. You know, I did a story with him at the start of the year and he just said he was so excited just to be a part of this, of that club again. And I thought he spoke really well at his retirement press conference when he said, this club means more to me than rugby league does. And, and, and that was something I really felt. And I think it's something a lot of people could really, really relate to. Mm. I'm going to go out to that reserve grade game on Saturday. I'm go- I was always, I was already going to go to the Bulldogs Broncos game, but I'm going to show up at, you know, midday. I don't know how many people are going to be there. We have plans on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I, I we'll, we'll, no, we're going to a party that night. I already told the host that uh, I'm coming right. a bit later. Mm. But yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that game, and I'm because I, I if Reynolds is playing one more time, I feel like I owe it to him to go to that game because when someone plays well for New South Wales, they're not just playing for themselves; they're playing for they're playing for the state and they're playing for the people. Like when he was hustling the shit out of Thurston, yeah, and laughing at him. That was cool. Went, yeah, well, when he was laughing up at Thurston when they'd won the game and Thurston was freaking out. Like, Reynolds did that for himself, but he's, play- he's he did that for me too. He's representing me. He's representing yeah. my state, you know? And oh. that night and that game meant so, so much to me that the very, very least I can do is mm. show a little bit of support for a guy like that, for a guy that that gave me one of the best nights of, yeah. my, of my footballing life, well, you know? So I'll... I'll I'll be there for sure. I wouldn't I would not fucking miss it. There's only a few guys who aren't Raiders who I'd be like if I had the chance to go to their last game, I will 100% be there. But Josh Reynolds is very very much one of them. I will This never is forget, a, I'll never forget what he did for me. This is a larger philosophical discussion, but you mentioned how Queensland would fate him and yep. in in a way that uh, in a way that New South Wales doesn't. And I was I was talking about this with Mitch on on, on before the game on Wednesday night actually. It's like I I just like how much of it in general, and not, I'm not just about getting origin all that stuff, but how much of it in general is just as a result of the fact that, like, you know, pretty much up until 2015, the Bron- Broncos fans didn't care about the Cowboys. They certainly didn't hate the Cowboys. Like, they, they did had no strong feelings. With, they've never had strong feelings with the Titans. They just kind of nothing them. How much of it is because Josh Reynolds played for the Bulldogs and was a dislikable player at club level if you went for one of their rival teams. And those rivalries between the Bulldogs and the Roosters or the Bulldogs and the Eels or the Bulldogs and the Bunnies or the Bulldogs and the Dragons are so much more visceral than anything that's like Adam Mogg, as an example, who who you mentioned, would have had to endure at club level. So like, it's always fascinated me to an extent because people talk about, oh, they don't get it because they don't celebrate the heroes. But for me, isn't part of that just because it's harder for New South Welshmen to celebrate their heroes just because of the club rivalries that you get in the NRL that just don't exist for Queenslanders or certainly didn't exist 10 years ago and still barely exist? We have reached an impasse here because mm. it doesn't matter. To, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. If they've got the blue jersey on, I can... No, I can, th- I can I'm not talking about you. I'm talking no, 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 about no, no, no. people let me, in general. Let me, let me finish. What you're talking about is a problem, or not a problem, but it's a thing that you have. You've spoken mm. about it before how growing up you you weren't able to connect with the Blues team because you were like, they've got all these Roosters blokes and these Bulldogs blokes and these Eels blokes. Yeah, whatever. totally. And I, yeah. So what you're talking about is something that's 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 true for you, you know? I do think that's part of the reason that that 2014 team isn't celebrated the way they should be because I think a lot of those blokes on the team were very unlikable. Like a lot of people didn't like Paul Gallen. A lot of people didn't like Greg Bird. A lot of people didn't like Josh Reynolds and still don't, you know? A lot of people didn't like Jared Hayne even back then. Um, Hodkinson 
was a little bit more likable, but just didn't have the big personality about him or whatever. So I think people were willing to let that team slip away. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I do think that's a larger part of the the problem that the Blues have. Like, it's kind of like the 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 snake eating its tail. You know what I mean? Mm. They don't celebrate their heroes because they don't like them as much. So they're not the heroes. So they don't celebrate them because they don't like them as much. That's right. Just around yeah. and around and yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're, unless the team, unless the team and the players are absolutely indisputably the best. They are just not held up in the same way. And even then, the second that you lose a step, the knives come out. Yeah. Like just look, just look at what's happened to Teddy mm. this year. Yeah, you know absolutely. Like, I don't know. So it was just something I was thinking about a lot because you know, the 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 blues and 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 why origin isn't as special to us as it is to Queensland was swirling around a lot in my head. And I think Reynolds is a really good example of that. So I'll be there Sunday, hundred percent. Hundred percent. He showed I... up for me, I gotta show up for him. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. All right, we are going to get out of here. But before we do, a thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash rookies, you'll get a third bonus show every single week, as well as extra bonus podcasts throughout the week, uh, throughout the season, access to our Discord server, merchandise discounts, and plenty more. Uh, once again, we 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 will be doing questions a bit later this week. We'll be recording it after this and, and dropping it straight away because you know we had origin but you already got a third show there if you haven't listened to that of course we had the uh origin wrap up on wednesday night go listen to that but uh yeah thank you to chris abnell dave rocky and rafi Stu, where's wayno alex sergikomi better dead than maroon big edric energy boys credit bootlegger butsy chewbacca snuffleupagus dan Callanane, david doc hog an anonymous backer ed burton Frankie fetched full-bodied ferrets from the farmer's market. Horsborough scores with Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Regley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks outs out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smithball, Matty Jenkins, Maroon Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael, I am the Walrus, Goo Goo Gajub, Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift. Someone signed me up to a Taylor Swift newsletter today. I assume it was him. My ding ding dong <laughs> is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seaman Vegas, Shunter, Ty, the Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA and start, was and West Life's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Shout out the searches, greatest Western ever made. Mm. That's what better, better dead than maroon comes from. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, did you get signed up to a Taylor Swift le- uh, newsletter as well? No, but as yeah. as as the patron list well, showed, I, I <laughs> my name is not Matt uh, Bungard. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Nation LLC. Welcome. Thanks for signing up. We're so excited <laughs> you're here. We also hope you follow us on. It's got a list of um, social media. Or I didn't unsubscribe. I just deleted it. But maybe later I'll want some Taylor Swift content. Who knows? <laughs> who's, to say, who's to say in this crazy world of ours? All right. Well. Enjoy the footy on the weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.